Hello and welcome to The Outer Frame, the show where we talk about movies that don't get talked about enough. I'm your host, Jason Sellers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the 1997 action masterpiece, Con Air, which coincidentally is also the greatest film ever made. But first, let me introduce the most terrifying prisoner with a scary name that I've ever had to transport, the Brainerd Mangler himself, Donnie Nelson. They call me Donnie 23. (laughs) Uh, But they'd call you Donnie 600 if they knew the truth. (laughs) Uh, let us let us just say that we're we're saying that in jest, please. I do not want that to be taken out of context or used against me in a court of law. So, just for the record, I am no, yeah. Don't it, defame I mean, me. That that just that refers to how many boners you get while you watch this movie, right? Like, yeah, six hundred sure. is a is a is a reasonable number. I mean, I stopped counting after the first hundred. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not talk about that, Jason. Please. <laughs> it was bad that you implied that I was uh, a murderer, uh, a a pervert, and then also somebody who. Okay, no, you just. <laughs> let's move on, please. I didn't think I was going to get bullied talking about one of my favorite movies I'd like to, today. I'd like to point out that part of this is on you. Uh, you called yourself Johnny or Donnie Twenty Three. Yeah, and, right. then, and then I thought we'd breeze over it. I'm going to stop talking about it because I'm making this longer than it has to be. Donnie, we are going to talk about one of the greatest films ever made today. And I am so excited because today is July 14th. Yes, as we record, unfortunately, cannot uh, we're, might not be the time that you're listening to it, but it is the time we're recording We are recording this on July 14th. You will be hearing this on July 15th. (laughs) On July Uh, 14th. I would also just like to quickly point out that I'm pretty sure we talked about this at the end of our Eastern Promises episode, which is not out yet. (laughs) And our Eastern Promises episode will be out uh, in in two weeks. Um, So if you hear us talking about how we're going to do Con Air and you're like, these idiots have already done Con Air. Well... There you go. That's why. And also, this is going to be a yearly tradition. There is so much to talk about in this movie that we are going to have to revisit this movie every single July 14th. Yes, yeah, so so it is a national holiday. And you can you can quote me on that. Every time everyone celebrates <laughs> the July 4th, be like, oh, our country's independence since we're in the United States of America. But no, no. July 4th, just to know it's the 10-day 10, the 10 countdown to this day, July 14th. Con Air Day. Con Air Day. July 14th. <laughs> Alright. Donnie, I have a question for you, yes. and that is, what is the worst thing that you have seen this week? Uh, so the worst thing that I've seen this week uh, is something that I've, I've maybe talked about on some previous podcasts, especially when we were talking about the, the Three from Hell uh, trailer is uh, The Devil's Rejects, which is the second in the trilogy of uh, Rob Zombie's, uh, well, his, like, only horror trilogy, because he, he never <laughs> got the chance to make a Halloween 3. So, um, The Devil's Rejects is the sequel to uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, which I've talked about, um, and that movie is 
like it makes you uncomfortable because there is like no relatable part to that movie it's all just like maniacs and like bad feelings murder all that stuff it just gives you a dirty feeling and i'm not saying the devil's rejects doesn't give you a dirty feeling but it brings it into a more grounded area that both makes it scarier and uh more relatable to this world of ours um uh and I would say it still definitely holds up. I know you've said that it's your favorite Rob Zombie movie, correct? Yep. Yep. And uh, I don't know. Thirty One might have uh, uh, taken taken its place. I really liked Thirty One. Okay, I respect I mean, that. Let, let, let me let me rephrase. I really liked Thirty One for it being a Rob Zombie movie, because okay. as I am pretty open about, I am not a big fan of Rob Zombie. <laughs> Right, as a filmmaker, because he has, I th- and and neither of us have seen Lords of Salem, and I, there's probably one other film that I'm not remembering, but I think that's the only thing. Uh, there, there's a film that I think I have made it a few minutes into that you have not seen at all, which is the Haunting Adventures of El Super Bisto. No, I've seen that entire movie. What? It's been a long time ago, though. I've I've I mostly forgotten most of it. I I'm sorry have if I tried like I have tried three times to watch that movie, and every time I have made it maybe ninety seconds in, and then I have to turn it off. Okay, because it's such a weird it thing because makes... that came out after the Devil's Rejects. Like all of a sudden, they mm-hmm. wanted to do like he wanted to do this animated uh, feature film that was like vulgar and it had nudity in it, and it's not even like it's not like heavy metal like animation nope. it's it's legit just like really cartoony oh. it, it, it's it's legit just fucking stupid is what it is yeah because and the main character is just like this you know this uh uh lucha uh he's a wrestler he, and he's he he's a wrestling erection i mean that's yeah. basically what he is yeah yep and then he has uh like a second in command or a girlfriend who's like uh bdsm like a dominatrix mm. like it's it's too much it's too much and i i pretty much was only trying to get through that film because i was waiting for it to get good that was my mistake and then also <laughs> i kept on going like well there has to be something here because like he doesn't just make a film like the devil's rejects and like not know what he's doing like <laughs> that was my mistake as well um but like yeah. there was also a documentary of like a really good documentary if you get the the two disc edition of Devil's Rejects where they it's like 30 days in hell or something like that and it's like they're hmm. enti- like they film for every single day on the set and like pre-production post-production of and it's like really comprehensive like maybe one of the most comprehensive making of it's like like double the length of the actual film I think um and yeah uh just forgetting about El Super Bisto for a second because I don't recommend anyone watch that. Um, Same. Uh, but The Devil's Rejects is definitely like his, almost like his magnum opus unless he does mm-hmm. something spectacular with Three From Hell. But um, it's still I'm still considering it the worst thing that I watched this week. I do highly recommend it though. It just doesn't have the same impact as uh, it once did, and it's and it's not as good as the best thing I watched this week. All right. What's the worst thing yeah, that no, you watch, or did you have a 
stuff to add. No, I, I, I was just going to say that uh, speaking as someone, I mean, who is not a fan of Rob Zombie movies, uh, I would also recommend people try Devil's Rejects. I mean, House of a Thousand Corpses, as you said. I, I feel like the way I would describe it is that it's about uh, uh, stupid, shitty people doing stupid, shitty things without any real purpose behind any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the difference is that Devil's Rejects kind of has a plot. <laughs> Yeah, there's an Um, art to it. There's, you know, I would almost say treat uh, House of a Thousand Corpses as like a prequel film. Watch The Devil's mm -hmm. Rejects first and then go back to that one. Just be like, whoa, this is what? Well, and and, and now that he's making the sequel Three from Hell there, you know, the he's definitely established that the main characters in those movies are the three bad guys, not any of the uh, people they're trying to kill. So, really, you just need to watch, like, 20 minutes of House of a Thousand Corpses, and then you can jump into Devil's Rejects. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the worst thing that I saw this week, which I don't know why I watched it, but I uh, decided to check out Eli Roth's remake of Death Wish Mm. with Bruce Willis. And I should also say up front, not a big fan of Eli Roth. (laughs) Um, and this did not look like an Eli Roth movie, so I thought I would give it a try. And, man, it is really bad. <laughs> I, part of it, I feel like if Bruce Willis was, like, trying, it would be a lot more fun to watch. But, I, as I recently tweeted, for those of you that follow me on the Twitter, um, I feel like... Bruce Willis and Harrison Ford are two of the actors that like most hate the fact that they're actors. Uh-huh. And when whenever they're on screen, is it, you can is tell it, that they would Is it any does it surprise you at all that when uh Bruce Willis decided not to come back and reprise his role in Expendables 3, the person they got to pretty much fulfill his role was Harrison <laughs> Forward? Forward, forward uh, not forward. <laughs> Harrison forward um <laughs> yeah no that's that's not surprising I'm I'm surprised that they that they would even ask him back <laughs> I mean yeah he he there's a scene in this movie where he uh he he smiles and it's like yeah. watching a mannequin try to smile yes. like it's so upsetting <laughs> and I mean okay you know don't get I mean, I shouldn't get too crazy. For those of you who aren't aware, Death Wish is a movie about a guy whose family are... His wife is killed, and then his daughter is in a coma. And he's a doctor, and he decides to take the law into his own hands. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, it's just... It's stupid, but not in a fun way. And to give an example of what I mean, there is a scene... Like, you know, in most action movies, there's the cool montage where they're, like, playing heavy metal in the background, and they show the guy loading up all his guns and strapping them to his body and putting his overcoat on, and this movie's version of that is Bruce Willis watching a YouTube tutorial of how to clean his pistol with ACDC playing in the background and then putting a hoodie on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> And another thing that uh, my, my dad has watched this movie. My dad's a nurse. And it was funny to, to hear my dad talk about it because Bruce Willis's character is a doctor. And at one point, he gets hurt. And his way of coping with it is to staple the wound back together. And 
talking to my dad afterwards, he was like, there are a billion things that he could do that would be way more effective yeah. than stapling himself back together. So anyway, I don't know. I, I was expecting like a lot of gore and a lot of crazy kills, and it, it's really just Bruce Willis kind of walking around shooting people with no emotion on his face at all. Um, and then watching YouTube tutorials of how to clean his gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was the worst thing that I saw this week. Uh, Donnie, what was the best thing that you've seen this week? The best thing I have seen this week is a film called Locke. That is spelled L-O-C-K-E. And it is a film that stars... Um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yes. Tom and Hardy. No one else. And and well, uh, visually, no one else. He is the only person you see throughout the entire film. Everybody else mm-hmm. is over phone with him, and th- it is essentially plays out in a lot of people. Uh, like he's in a car and he's driving alone for the entire length of the movie. That is the entire movie. If that's not up your alley, then this movie's not for you. However. Uh, I would even say the cinematography is, like, very good. Like, I don't um, remember a part in the film that I was ever bored by how it was shot. Uh, either mm-hmm. it be on Tom Hardy, who is just being, uh, doing as much, uh, he's doing a lot of work in a role that he can't move, and he has to, essentially, is just talking. Like, there's no blocking in the film, because he's not moving, <laughs> He's in the film. He's in the car the entire film, um, yeah. but he is essentially he it it he's driving somewhere in the middle of the night, and I don't I don't want to actually spoil it. It is a older film, uh, I think like 2015. Yeah. Uh, it's no. Sixteen. Uh, 2014. Fourteen. Holy moly! It's really that. Fourteen. So if you, uh, like I said, I won't spoil it really for anybody who wants to watch. Uh, let it just be known that like it's probably one of my favorite Tom Hardy performances. Like it's it's up there with him as Charlie Bronson, um, mm-hmm. and Charlie Bronson being my number one performance by Tom Hardy. Um, if you, um, essentially, what's going on? I'm just gonna kind of tell you what the themes are. He's essentially making a drive. He's he's driving throughout the film to get to somewhere, and that somewhere is him trying to make right uh, in his current situation in which he hasn't made it, which he's done wrong in the past in other situations. That seems very broad, but if you watch the movie, you'll totally get it. Mm-hmm. And also, he's. I think the thing that makes it work is that it's not just a melodrama between like him and his family. It's more of a, a drama of how this man is, like, he realizes up to this point in his life, he's making, like, essentially his pilgrimage in a vehicle for the entire movie to be like, I I haven't been the best person up to this point. In fact, in some ways, I have been a terrible person to very specific people. And now mm-hmm. uh, I find a moment to do something absolutely right. And it might still hurt other people, but... I'm not going to to let the thing that I did wrong before like prevent me from doing what he thinks is the right thing that night in that moment. And uh, 
like it's riveting all the way through. It's not boring. Um, I I mean, I it's just a good movie. Um, everybody on the other side of the phone is also very good um, because also what he's doing there is he's it's the melodrama with his family and he's trying to get that all worked out. But then also he's he has a job that's like very important. Mm-hmm. It's like the biggest job because he's in construction. And he wants to make sure the job is done correctly, like set the like foundation right and do the cement and the pour has to go right, so on and so forth. And he's entrusting yep. this like his like associate or his like assistant to do it. And he's like on the phone, like in the morning as he's driving, he's just like, Okay, you need to make sure you do this. You need to go down to the office, you need to open it up, and then you need to make sure that the plans are set. And then also, okay, so there's this one person that you have to call. You, I don't care if you get them up in the middle of the morning. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. You have to go down here and make sure that this person has this stuff ready so that in the morning when, the, when, it's, when it's set. And, like, he essentially is like, I don't care if the rest of the world is burning down around me. I see this one thing that I can do right, and that's what I'm going to do. And... Uh, if, if the only reason why I'm blathering on about this is just because like it's so pointed in what he's trying to do and the point only gets like sharper and sharper as you get to the end of the mm-hmm. movie and like at that point like uh, the his drive too is uh, his like physical drive in the movie being in the car is maybe like uh, one of the most important things because like n- it's only inside this car. It's only in the space with him. Like, nothing else outside matters. Like, he's trying to do everything as remotely as possible, but, like, like, like it, the world could have ended outside the car, but he's, like, trying to get everything right as he's alone in this car. And in some sense, like, it almost feels more apocalyptic than, like, him and Mad Max Fury Road. Um, so, like, I, I honestly... I can't believe it took me this long to rewatch this film because it's been a long time, but like it might be like one of my favorite films, uh, not just like one of my favorite Tom Hardy films. I think it's just really good. So that is the best thing yeah, I watched no, this week. It's it's very good, and honestly, I for me the best parts of the movie are when he's just in the car, not talking to anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the silent so, uh, air, him being to himself. Yep. Or talking to himself. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, he does a lot yep, of that. That's the, him just monologuing on. Those were my favorite parts of the movie. All right. So I'm going to be honest and say that the best movie that I saw this week was a movie that you talked about a couple weeks ago. And that was Toy Story 4. Okay. However, since we've talked about that so recently, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead real quick and, and, and talk about something else that I also saw last night. Uh, Caitlin and I did a double feature and we saw Toy Story 4 which was phenomenal and then and you've, you talked about it in enough detail that I don't really feel like I can add anything to it um, other than, than saying that uh, imagining uh, so Key and Peele voice two characters in this movie mm-hmm. and at one point they have to come up with a plan for something and the the plan the plan that they propose um a series made, of plans has, that seem to be the exact same thing yeah a, a, yes a series of plans um that that uh i i don't want to get spoil it but i have 
I laughed throughout the movie with the, the, the thought of their plans just randomly popping into my head and continued to laugh during the next movie that we saw when the memory of their plans would randomly pop into my head. I spent all night on the drive home laughing randomly at the thought of their plans popping into my head. I did it this morning, and I am now laughing randomly at the thought of their plans popping into my head. So It's not uh, bad, that but I was... want to say the more memorable thing about that it was just uh, Buzz's expression after, like, they keep on oh. trying to explain it, and he's just like, no. There's, there's, there's so much in that movie. I just, I just wanted to quickly say that you know it's, it's amazing that they've made four movies about talking toys, and they're still funny, they're still fresh, and they're still doing original things. So, mm-hmm. um, I am going to instead talk about the other movie that Caitlin and I saw last night. And this is a movie that I was not excited for and that I thought looked incredibly stupid. And I'm willing to bet that you can guess what I'm talking about. Annabelle comes <laughs> um, No, I'm sorry. What's that? Nothing. Okay. It's definitely not Annabelle, um, apparently. Yeah, no, it was not Annabelle because I saw Annabelle already. Nope, it was Crawl, the Sam Raimi produced okay. uh, crocodile horror movie. Uh, that, by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Aha. Alex, uh, yeah, Alexander, Alexander Aha. Yep. Who did, Aha or who, Aja. Yeah, who, um, did, uh, well, he did a film before did. that, but then he also, it was, like, High Tension, which is a mm-hmm. film in his, in his, uh, native language, and then he, he, mm-hmm. he did the very popular remake of The Hills Have Eyes. He also did Piranha 3D, which I'm pretty sure you're a big fan of as well. Uh, which I, uh, the first one or the second one? The first one, not 3DD. Okay, just 3D. Um, yeah, he he, not 3 double D, the one that makes you feel gross when you just say the title. Yep. So. <laughs> Yeah, so he did uh, Crawl, which is a movie that, again, I'm going to say, based on the trailer alone, I thought looked fucking stupid. <laughs> um, and then I saw all of the uh, positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, you know, I really do like Sam Raimi, and I mean, he produced Don't Breathe, and I thought that looked really stupid. And so, you know what, Let, let's just give it a try. And I really, really liked it. Like, <laughs> it's not just a, it's not just a tense movie, and... Um, I mean, it's it's a very well made film. There are there there's a there's a lot of um, in a lot of horror movies like this. I feel like there's a tendency to have the characters be like, "Oh my God, this is what's going on, and this is why it's happening." And in this movie, um, for instance, there's there's a part where. Uh, the main character uh, is is alone by herself for about I don't know ten minutes, um, and she's just searching the house trying to find her dad. And there's only one time that she uh, she says anything, and it's uh, it's just when she like looks in the basement and she looks at her dog and she's like I gotta go down there, don't I? Well, plumbers do it all the time or something like that, and then she goes down there. But normally, I feel like. Um, in a lot of movies like this, you get the character being like, well, maybe he's upstairs. I better go upstairs and look. Now I'm upstairs looking. Oh, he's not up here. Well, I best I, or I guess I better go back downstairs. Oh, he's not downstairs. Wherever could he be? 
and they don't do any of that. Um, there's actually a lot of sequences in this movie where it's it's so it's about a girl and her father um, in a house in Florida, and there's a hurricane happening, and then there's alligators <laughs> or crocodiles, whatever. I think I'm pretty sure it's alligators. There's alligators, and they're like just trying to kill them. And one of the 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 misnomers from the trailer is that this movie takes place uh, throughout the house. And they don't really leave the crawl space at the bottom, or the crawl space from the the basement, um, until there's, like, maybe 20, 30 minutes left. Um, So the trailer is really misleading, because I thought this was going to be them, like, wandering around their house and just alligators going, Bah! I'm here! (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've been trying to find you. Um... And no, it, it was really good. There's a lot of it's very well made. I mean, there's there's they show you why the alligators are there, and they show you how they got there, so that you're not like, why are all these alligators just hanging out in this house? Um, yeah, which, if you watch the trailer, I think I have a pretty good idea why. Yeah, and but 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 at no point do the characters go, "Hey, the alligators are here because blah 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 blah." Um, so, no, I, I really liked it, and I'm also, uh, like, I, I feel like I'm pretty open about this. I have a really hard time getting got by jump scares. Get got. And this movie got me multiple times, <laughs> which I don't know whether I should be embarrassed to admit that or not, but, like, there were, like, three to five, uh, I can only think of three right now, but I feel like there were five moments in the movie where I totally got faked out by a jump scare, and it was great because I that like never happens to me anymore, and it's always kind of fun <laughs> yeah. to be reminded. Oh, hey, something popping out can be scary. So, um, yeah, no, uh, it, it's it's an incredibly stupid premise, but it's a very well made movie, and I really really liked it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, because so, the trailer like it looked like it was pretty well made just by like what he does because like. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like everything that that director does, uh, but Same. I do like appreciate that he definitely, since like his very early work, he has had a through line to his work that you can see if you mm-hmm. watch all of his movies in in a row. So that's good. Um, but like, have you? It varies like depending on the con. It's more the content that I have issues with more than the his actual direction and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't sure what to feel about this movie. Oh yeah, no, it's it's really good. I really really liked it. Okay. Um, and it, it was also kind of fun because he, I heard an interview with him, um, that he did where he said that a lot of people like when they when they were doing the script they wanted him to do like a Sharknado type thing. And he was like, I am not doing nuclear alligators attacking Florida. I am not doing a hurricane full of alligators. I I am going to make a movie about two people trapped in a house being attacked by alligators. <laughs> Which, I don't know, it just made me laugh. Um, so I, I do have one question. I watched his Hill, Hills Have Eyes uh, remake a long time ago, like right after it first came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember not liking it. Okay. Have you seen? Because a lot of people that I talk to seem to have very fond memories of that movie, like the remake, not the original. And so I'm just curious: Have you seen the remake? And did you like it? 
Like, like is it something I should go back and rewatch? It's been a very long time, and I will say that it's one of those things where definitely there are points where I feel like there is shock value, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not... Um, it's definitely, like... It's more of an adrenaline-filled, like, almost revenge story, survival. They're trying to... And it's very visceral. Um, and that's mm-hmm. mostly what I took from it. If you're going into needing something like that, it being very visceral, I would almost say that it's not that far off from something like Devil's Rejects. It's like the okay. middle ground between Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses, where it still makes you feel kind of uncomfortable. It kind of pushes you over the edge. Mm-hmm. But also you still see like there's still human drama and there's good performances from it. So okay. um, in that, it's it's a thrill ride, really. It's... I honestly don't think it's something that like I would want to watch a lot of or try to do like in-depth analysis. But when it comes to just like having a horror film and having it be mm-hmm. like this this like roller coaster ride of emotions that doesn't let up until the very end, like I think it's like very good at what it does. Um, but if you're like squeamish at all, like don't watch it if you don't like gore don't watch it if you don't like <laughs> like sexual violence honestly mm. um, because there's some of that in there and some of it involves a baby and so I know some people could be kind of weirded out by that um, and not not sexual violence uh, in, involving <laughs> a baby but but like there's a baby involved and people like that's yeah. like a real trigger for people because they don't want to see is. like a baby involved in any kind of like violence or anything like that Um but I do think it um, it's a thrill ride. It's like a midnight movie. Like, like don't mm. don't go into it thinking that it's going to be like, oh, you know, jump scare. You're watching Annabelle or you're yeah. doing something like that. Like, it's really visceral. Um, but I could definitely okay. see other people watching and going like, this is stupid. <laughs> because you have to kind of be that's... a genre fan for it. Well, and that, that's why I wonder if I'd like it more, because I, I haven't really been a huge fan of horror movies until, uh, I don't know, maybe a few years ago. Um, when it, when we've had this kind of renaissance of, like, more symbolic and, and horror and stuff like that, like, Get Out and... Yeah, like I, was, and I, was always a, I was always a bigger fan of the... Yeah, I was always a bigger fan of the, the, like, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. Um, I was never, like, a big fan of the the newer classes of of horror movies but now that i've gone back and rewatched a lot of them i'm i'm like finding myself enjoying them more and more um yeah so but yeah no i just i was curious because i know that's one that didn't get a lot of like really good reviews but it seems like a lot of like people that i talk to um remember it fondly and still watch it and so i was just curious if it was like a street kings type thing where people <laughs> at the time were like this is stupid and now people are like, "This is fucking awesome! Why did we ever think this was dumb?" So and uh, I just, just, just to not sound dumb, or just to sound dumb for a minute, uh, I, I have always been a huge fan of Street Kings. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, you should, you guys should watch that movie if you haven't seen it. Anyway, let's get into Con Air, the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> um. So. Real quick, I want to tell a story about the first time that I saw this movie, and then maybe you could uh, you could share the first time you watched this movie if you happen to remember it. Okay. The only reason that I remember the first time I watched this movie was because I came in at like the halfway point mm-hmm. 
Um, just like and, all and good real quick for anybody. Yeah. And, and real quick, for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, I mean, it's literally in the title. It's about a bunch of convicts on a plane. They take over the plane. That's the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, and Nick Cage is on the plane, and he's, like, the, the hero. Um, he's just a boy from Alabama. And he's <laughs> yeah, not and, from and Alabama. <laughs> he's not. And they have a ton of crazy, wacky... Criminals. I mean, John, John Malkovich, Cyrus the, as Cyrus the Virus, uh, Ving Rhames as Diamond Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my favorite name is probably MC Ganey as Swamp as Thing. Swamp Thing. He <laughs> which what, he is he is severely <laughs> underutilized in this film because every time I he see is. Swamp Thing, I'm like, oh, dude, this guy's cool. And then you never see that much of him, but he does have yep. some good one liners. So, and uh, someone we alluded to earlier, uh, Danny Trejo as Johnny Twenty Three. Mm-hmm. Um, I for uh, Steve Buscemi as Garland Green, Garland Green. the uh, oh, what's it? It's the, the like the Manigold Mangler or something like that. I don't remember. I think so. <laughs> Wait, well, let's just go with uh, that. Yeah, it's something similar to that. And then there is Billy Bedlam. I forget who plays him. Um, Dave Chappelle as Pinball Chinlin. Um, Last name what? Chinlin is is uh, yeah. Billy Bedlam, Nick Chinlin. I yeah, think. that guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Dave so, Chappelle I mean, there... as uh, in an episode of Inside the Actor Studio when they're when uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, James Lipton is talking to him, he does uh, state that in the filming of Con Air, he does improvise most of his lines. So that's just Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh yeah, I I. I heard an interview where John Malkovich said that uh, a lot of his frustration in the movie is real because they were rewriting the script like every single day that they were shooting. Um, and so he never had in like, he never really knew what was going on with his character. <laughs> so, so he was just like being a mina- maniacal. He was just yeah. like, I'm just upset. He was just mad. <laughs> it's so good. So, I, so the the point that I walked in is that there's a point where the convicts have to land at another airport and they have to refuel the plane and when they land all of the convicts run off and <laughs> go I don't know what they're going to go do cuz they're in the middle of a junkyard. Uh-huh, they're like um, woo. Yeah, and then Steve Buscemi and and it's uh how many people did he kill like 37? Uh um, well, I think 30. 30 for sure some somewhere around 30 they claim that steve buscemi is like just this absolute crazy nut job like hannibal lecter type person Mm -hmm. who he's killed at one point in the movie he looks like his first appearance as hannibal or as as hannibal let's just say that's very thinly veiled that he is hannibal lecter there's a point in the movie where this is an actual line of dialogue he says that he cut off a girl's head and wore it as a hat while he drove through three states. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as, as Nicholas Cage's Cameron Poe responds, yeah. feel free to not share everything with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's my daughter's birthday. So, so Steve Buscemi's character, a.k.a. Garland Green, um, wanders off and finds a trailer park somewhere. Yep. Which which is kind of weird because when they show the the junkyard that they've landed in, like it's nothing but desert, mm-hmm. and then he just, the junkyard. He just wanders. So. Uh, what people don't realize is it's pretty much the same exact area as uh, as the hills have eyes. 
takes place. Yeah. Might he probably just wandered into that place for a quick hot Problem. second. So the part that I walked in is that there's a part where he's sitting in the in a pool in an empty pool talking to a little girl having and they time. start singing. Yep, having tea time and they start singing he's got the whole world in his hands. And it's shot to be really creepy because you're like, "Oh, he's going to kill this little girl and he's going to wear her head as a hat." Yep. And I mean, all this stuff. They specifically now, said that, yeah. They wanted yep. that to be and, in your mind. <laughs> and when I came in to the movie, I came downstairs and my dad was watching this movie and I walked over and that like that's what was on the screen was Steve Buscemi <laughs> having tea time with this little girl <laughs> singing. Yep. <laughs> singing that song. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> because I need to know right now. What is this film? Um, so that that was when I walked in and I was and and it's like right before or right after that, she's like, Are you sick? And he's like, Yeah, I am and she's like, Do you take medicine? And he's like, They don't have medicine for what I've got. And like do you know how to sing? And then, and then I remember because I was like nine or ten, and I turned to my dad and I was like, "What's he sick with?" <laughs> my dad was like, uh. "Go to your room." Or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're too young to be watching this, um, or you're just the right age to be watching this. Yeah, right. So, uh, but yeah, no, that I started at that point, and then I finished watching the movie, and I was very confused. <laughs> But until I, I eventually figured out what was going on, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board. So that was the first time I ever saw this movie. What was the first time you ever saw this movie? Do you remember? Uh, so I don't have, like, a very specific memory. I do believe it was mm-hmm. a situation in which I probably... Uh, uh, I definitely didn't start from the beginning. I can guarantee you that. I definitely hopped <laughs> in sometime in the middle, not sure where. Uh, however, um, I mean, this, this movie has been seared... Like the images from this film has been mm-hmm. seared into my my mind since I watched it in the late '90s, um, and it was mm-hmm. it was definitely I think it was like oh it was the first time we had cable and I was watching it on Stars Free Preview Weekend or whatever because like those free yeah. preview weekends they have like only a select number of like movies that they play over and over again so I just remember mm-hmm. just like just watching con air like over and over again that entire weekend and it just being the best thing ever or at least i thought so um but like i couldn't i couldn't point to like a very specific instance or experience with the first time i watched this but like it would be like okay i'm it's free preview weekend or we had stars and i was just gonna watch con air and then like when we didn't have when we just had like normal cable and like it'd be on TV, TNT, TNT with uh, with because uh, it was edited with uh, overdubbed over because they say the f word mm-hmm. quite a bit in this movie, and like they do. and I I must have not watched it as much on Stars as I did on TNT because like I keep on like getting shocked at how many times like they swear in this movie because I'm like they don't swear <laughs> that much in this movie do they and no it's just like I've just like been so so close to uh or so mm-hmm. used to uh nicholas cage going like melon farmer or you know stuff like that not <laughs> not the titular uh, uh or the the actual swears um yeah <laughs> and uh so 
Yeah, and I think that was like the the main way I was introduced to pretty much every single actor in this film. Like every every mm-hmm. other thing, like Ving Rhames, uh, don't even like. I would go on to watch the Dawn of the Dead remake and go like, oh, it's that dude from Con Air, you know? Or I would <laughs> go on to be like, be like, I I can't look at Nicolas Cage and not be like, that's that's Cameron Poe, that's Cameron Poe. Why does he not have his accent? So like in a lot of <laughs> or ways. His hair. The main thing is, like, not me necessarily having a specific experience about the first time I watched this, more as this is the first time that, like, like all these actors have, like, implanted into my brain, and now, like, I've mm-hmm. been a fan of pretty much every single actor who's been in this movie, <laughs> and, like, and like just followed, like, I just like all these actors, like, it's a good cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. But, yeah, that's, so, that's pretty much I- where I started. I real I, I want to share a story that I heard Danny Trejo tell um, about he was on a podcast and one of the questions they asked him is, was who are the who are the most intense or like the most crazy people you've ever worked with because you know he's been in a billion movies <laughs> um, and one of the things that made me a laugh really hard in was his that, own right. <laughs> Yeah, he's a criminal in his own right, and he said that one of the things that makes him laugh is that whenever he's in movies like this, everyone's trying so hard to be tough, and um, he's the only one that, like, in his head, he's like, I don't really need to try, I just, this this is just who I am. Yeah, he's just been in prison. Um, yeah, and uh, he, so the, so the question was, you know, who, who are the craziest people you've ever, like, who are the people that, um, like, that you genuinely believed like could be crazy and i was really surprised because i don't remember his third answer but he said three people um and one of them was george clooney which i was like that's wrong (laughs) that's not (laughs) the right answer and then the other one which i also think is a wrong answer um was john cusack (laughs) and he said that uh, he said that both of those guys they just get like that look in their eye and you're like oh my god they're capable of anything and uh, I, I mean I'm pretty sure this was the first time he worked with John Cusack um, if not the only time and so I uh, I just thought I, I would share that story because it made me laugh really hard because <laughs> when he, he I was expecting him to be like Nicolas Cage John Malkovich like. <laughs> Those those both seem like more correct answers, especially Nicolas Cage, who has yeah. a reputation for just going full crazy in every single movie that he's in. Yes, and also not being the most stable person, uh, like, behind the cameras <laughs> yeah. either. Right. Uh, the other thing I want to share, and I, I mean, we're not going to bother with spoilers for this. I mean, this movie's been out for, what, like 22 years? It's a, it's um, a, it's a very basic action film that has, like, very conventional beginnings and endings to it. And it's just the yes. little, like, set pieces and stuff that really make this film what it mm-hmm. is in character moments. It's, I was going to say, it's the set pieces and it's the characters. So, um, one of the things that I, was, I read while I was, uh, I was doing a little bit of research for this show or this episode was that at the end when they the plane crashes into the Sands Casino they Las Vegas was actually going to demolish the Sands Casino around the time that they were shooting this movie and the film crew or the yeah the the production crew found out and they got permission to set up a bunch of cameras and film the explosion 
And so some of the explosions that you're seeing are actually the explosions and the demolitions of the Sands Casino, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's good that and, that stuff lines up. Yeah, right. So I we talked about how great the characters are. Do you have a favorite prisoner? Favorite prisoner? I would probably say... Just because he's so, like, beleaguered, like, every single time I watch this movie, I think I have more respect for uh, John Malkovich, especially after you mm-hmm. say, like, he, he's so frustrated throughout the entire production because <laughs> he keeps on getting rewrote and he doesn't have a clear idea of what his character is, which is funny because, yeah. like, I feel like going through this movie, like, his character is, like, one of the more rock-solid ones, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, the more and more I watch it, the more he's, like... He's just, like, this tired mom to all these kids that he has to, like, (laughs) rein in. Because, like, he has these, like, very, like, very calm moments of, like, he's he's this asshole who, like, is a mastermind. And he got, like, uh, multiple degrees while he's in prison. Like, comment on, like, our, the the prison structure in, in, uh, institution in this country. But, like, when he's in there, he's he's bettering himself, but not, like, for the better. Uh, and yeah. so he's very smart. He's very on top of it. Although he does have some really stupid moments in this movie, where you're just like, "This doesn't seem like he he would have seen this coming." Um, uh, but like, like he's trying to get all these prisoners to do it, and like he has a sternness to him that they all listen to him. But like he has a softness mm-hmm. when he talks to like like Cameron Poe, where he has this like like moments of reason where he doesn't let it down. But he's just like he's just like, "Oh, I like you." You're like, "Oh, you're the good son," or like. <laughs> be like Poe's yeah. right and then like uh it just it you know uh you know Poe is the one that's trying to dismantle and try to take him down but like honestly like every time every little moment uh between him and uh Cameron Poe uh is like maybe my my favorite moments in the film because mm-hmm. he's just because like I said he's just like He's so beleaguered. He's always like at this tense level of trying to outthink and trying to think everything, and then he has these little moments where he's just like, "Oh, someone's actually intelligent here," and like, "I'm actually gonna like think of them as an equal," mm-hmm. um, uh, even though he doesn't see what's actually happening, uh, which yeah. almost makes me think like, not necessarily these characters, but I would really like to see just like a John Malkovich, uh, Nicholas Cage like buddy cop movie. And see like <laughs> how they would interact like still because like john malkovich just kind of seems that way he's just like i'm just mm-hmm. kind of i'm just kind of done with it but like i'm so charismatic that i can't not be done with it and him yelling mm-hmm. is just one of my favorite things in the whole world so <laughs> it's i would honestly say i i mean i wish i had like a more obscure answer or like mm-hmm. oh this prisoner that like all all the other ones like fit into an archetype and i don't like <laughs> I don't remember as much, and John Malkovich is, like, the true, like, gem of this movie that I think holds it all together, mm-hmm. and every single time I see, like, it's like an onion, it just kind of, just kind of unpeels every single time, even though, like you said, he didn't know, <laughs> he's so frustrated the entire movie. So, do you- my my favorite, my favorite Cyrus the Virus moment is, uh, and I, I know that I, I shared this on our Facebook today, the, uh, the part where he's, he's, uh, he tells Poe to get down or the bunny gets it. Mm-hmm. 
that's not my favorite moment. My favorite moment is when um, Sandino's plane crashes and he's begging uh, Cyrus for his life and he goes, Sai! And then Cyrus goes, Anara! And then lights him on fire. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. It is so ridiculous and so stupid. It's one of those moments where, um, you know, like you mentioned. Movie. Yeah, like like you mentioned, there's no way that like you could not have re- like you had to have rehearsed that. There's no way that you could just walk in and go, ah, "I'm gonna say this," <laughs> like, yeah. so, "Sigh, yeah, Anara." <laughs> now let me walk away in slow motion while I don't look at the explosion. Yep, as as everybody uh. else is like freaking out, like mm-hmm. they're like, "Ah," oh. but like. John Malkovich is John I, Malkovich. He's the most method of method actors. He believes himself. I I think that uh, I think that um, my my favorite prisoner. Um, I, I feel like it changes every time I watch this movie. Um, but I feel like this this watch through my my favorite prisoner was uh, was Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because one I I don't know why he's named Swamp Thing. <laughs> I don't want like to know. The other, the other ones, you get like a little explanation of why they have the nickname that they have. Mm-hmm. Johnny Twenty Three, Billy Bedlam, yep, Garland Green, yep. And uh, with with Swamp Thing, you, you like is it just because he looks like or MC MC Ganey looks like he's a swamp, <laughs> or 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 he, um, there is some connection between him and the actual Swamp Thing. Oh, that would be great Who knows? if MC Ganey was in the, the swamp, the now canceled Swamp Thing uh, TV he series. Does, he does in, uh, when he is driving the fire truck at the end, he does, uh, yeah. when he's in the cab, he gets uh, John Cusack's oh, character, true. sprays him. Mm-hmm. So, All the water. irony. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, and then the the other thing, you know, just to, oh, and my, my favorite, uh, my favorite moment with Swamp Thing is when Nick Cage tells him he has to land the plane, and he makes the decision to land the plane on the Vegas Strip. Mm-hmm. And as they're getting close, but like the plane is clearly still moving very fast, um, Cameron Poe like looks over at Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing's like, "Well, I'm out of here." <laughs> And then just like jumps out of the plane while it's clearly still going like fifty miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> and there's just destruction and fire all around, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm jumping out of this plane." <laughs> oh, yeah, I love. It's such a great moment. Uh, so the other, and I think that, like you said, those are the two. Re- those are two of the big reasons that you know this this movie is still so beloved by by both of us. And so one of the other things that I wanted to break down is that a lot of the special effects in this movie, like, I'm amazed how good they still look. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, the CGI does not look great. And, no. I mean, especially the green screen where uh, they're standing and the back of the plane has been pulled off and they're just, like, looking at the car. And Cameron Poe is like, any other day, that'd be kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Which is so <laughs> funny because he's so nonchalant about it. If we're talking about, like, weird things in this movie... Where they're they're trying to get to the back of the plane with him, the female guard, and uh, Babyo, which like I never yep. remembered that was his name, but that's his name. Yep, um, that's you know, his name. Bubba from from uh, Forrest Gump as well. Forrest Gump. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was. They go back there and they're trying to lead the plane before they take off, 
And I, I assume they're taking their sweet time because they were trying to get off, but then uh, they get back there and they notice that they've, you know, taken off and and the car mm-hmm. is dangling behind yeah. them. And I'm just like, why are you being so nonchalant? Wouldn't you be frustrated that you didn't get off the plane in time? You'd be like, well, any it, other day, that'd be strange. <laughs> and one of, one of my favorite moments, too, is or one of my favorite parts of this movie, I always forget, I always think that John Cusack hooks the the hook to that like the, the the car is being drugged by so there's there's a there's a hook that they use a hook and a rope mm-hmm. that they use to attach the plane to a trailer to kind of pull try to pull it out of this ditch yep. um or to a tractor to pull it out of this ditch and i for some reason have always like i always remember it that john cusack hooks the hook to the car mm-hmm. and that's not what happens at all no. what happens is that the hook comes unhooked from the tractor because the tractor cyrus either. oh yeah because no it's, it's just from, around a pole yeah, it's right just around like a stone yeah. pillar that's like in the yeah and which and Cameron poe is put on there because he's the one who, yes yep, wraps it around and um in in my memory it's always attached to the car but what happens is cyrus and diamond dog just shoot at the hook until it for some reason comes off of the pole swings over yeah it's not even they they don't even hit the rope they just hit the stone like block that it's tied to and the whole block like crumbles in half with how many bullets they've unloaded into it and then it comes (laughs) off and then like you said it starts dragging i'll let you tell yeah and it, it it just swings over and then hooks the bottom of um, Cole Miri's car and then takes off with the car attached to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this movie. It's amazing. It is pretty good. Um, so, I'm not no, saying I, it's like, a good movie, Jason. I'm saying it's a great movie. I'm saying it's the best movie. I'm saying it's ever, incredible. Ever made. Um, so... But no, I mean other other than that stuff, like the special effects in this movie still look phenomenal. And I think the big reason why is that it's all practical effects. Mm-hmm. I mean for the for the most part, yeah. like a lot of the explosions and stuff and a lot of the people getting thrown around and like hanging um there's a scene where uh like the fire truck is going and Nicolas Cage is hanging on the back of the fire truck but he's like hanging on the ladder mm-hmm. and like that scene, you know, like the, even if that's not Nicholas cage, like somebody is hanging back there and that's not CGI in. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just adds a little something special to the movie or the person who, when, uh, uh, when Karen is jumping out of that window, when that, when that gas station at that, the field in the middle of the desert blows up, like that's someone mm-hmm. getting out of that, uh, like breaking through the glass, and then the rest of that building entirely disintegrating from an explosion, like less than like a foot away from the person who just escaped. I, which I am assuming is not Nicolas Cage. This is the '90s, <laughs> of course it was not. He's not that yep. crazy. <laughs> um. Well, he wasn't that crazy yet. No. <laughs> no, not yet. No, and I. I love the uh, I, I love Cyrus's death scene, which 
you which know, you done have in, forgotten in... about multiple times. You're like, Cyrus doesn't die at the end of that movie, Donnie. So don't. I wasn't gonna let you get past that one because you're like, no, he doesn't die. Look, I'm like, no, that I, he he gets like, uh, he goes through the thing that's overhead. It's like an overpass, like a like yep. a walkway, and then and then he goes. Well, I don't know if you want to explain it because I want to hear how you explain. No, let's it, go Jason. ahead. Well, he so he's on the fire truck, right? And Nicolas Cage handcuffs him to the ladder, mm-hmm. and then he raises the ladder up, which then smashes through a walkway, which would have killed him. Uh-huh. And then he flies off the walkway and lands on a power some power lines, which also would have killed him. <laughs> and then he falls off the power lines. And lands on a, a conveyor belt that looks like it's just moving rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I feel like also would have killed him because his head landed on a rock. Yes. And then the conveyor belt uh, throws him off of off of it. And he lands in the rock smasher. And the smasher smashes his head, which definitely killed him. <laughs> it's, it's so Rube Gold... Like, it's... It's a Rube Goldberg machine. Like, it's not even... Mm-hmm. It's, I, I don't... I don't know. Like, how would you have done that, Jason? <laughs> how would you have killed Cyrus the Virus? I I wouldn't have changed a damn thing. It's, it's so dumb. It's not... It is amazing. I don't understand it. Like, until this day, I'm just Look, like, I, I get this is how this ends, but I don't... I can't, I can't ever accept it in my heart, Jason. um yeah no i like that sequence the the sequence where the the plane lands um especially a lot of the stuff in the boneyard like Mm -hmm. that firefight looks so good yeah it's and and one of my one of my favorite uh like silly moments to watch is there's a part where uh there's a bunch of guards standing by uh, I don't know. It's it's just like a, 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 a roof that's being held up by a pole. And Cyrus has a shotgun and shoots his shotgun at it, which I'm, assu- which I'm assuming has buckshot in it. And the pole breaks and the whole building explodes. <laughs> and all three of the, of, of the prisoners, or not prisoners, all three of the uh, of, uh, soldiers or police or whatever they are die. Um, and that's that's one of my one of my favorite like silly moments in that movie <laughs> is I, I I wonder if they were just like filming John Malkovich taking shots with different guns, and then they were like ah we'll just put stuff in here later. <laughs> what do you fire? A shotgun? Yeah, no, I think this eh. is actually the reaction shot from the grenade launcher. No, that looks like a shotgun blast to me. <laughs> we'll just do that. <laughs> Editors don't know guns, uh, right? I don't know. Do, do you have a do you have a favorite uh, set piece? I know we've talked. Or I've, I've mentioned a lot of them, but I'm just curious. Do you have a? Is there like one that stands out to you as being your uh, your favorite? Um, honestly, it's the it's like you said. Like it's most of the stuff that was in uh, uh, Learner and uh, yep. Airfield, I believe is what it's called, or Airport. Mm-hmm. Yep, Airstrip, um, and most of the stuff on the plane is where I think is the funniest stuff. Um, yeah. Especially when stuff, like, continues to deteriorate. Um, 
like uh, when he has the fight with uh, Billy Bedlam Billy. in the bottom mm-hmm. in the cargo hold when because mm-hmm. he discovers the letter that shows that Cameron Poe is not a convict who has 15 more years. He's actually, you know, gonna he's free by the time that he gets done with that plane ride, ostensibly, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he has to kill Billy Bedlam and. Uh, when they run at each other, it always makes me laugh because they're, they can't stand up. So they're, like, crouched <laughs> down, they're half-crouched, and they're, like, running at each other with their arms out. And it's the funniest yep. thing in the world. I'm just like, this is just silly. Well, it's it's also funny because they can't have their arms all the way out because the tunnel is so tight. So it's more like they look like they're trying to hug each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what it looks like to me. We're like, this is kind of awkward. We're like, they kind of have to half, like, hug each other before they can start, like, throwing punches and stuff. And then uh, Cameron Poe uh, is able to, like, kick or someone hits, like, one of the pipes. And then it, it shoots out a pipe that doesn't look the size of any other pipe that's right there. And then that's the way that Cameron Poe hits Betty, uh, Billy Bedlam into it and stabs yep. him through the heart um, before breaking his arm. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and, uh, uh, but also I want to bring up the point after, like, right before Cameron Poe is able to get the Swamp Thing to have him land it in Las Vegas. I know is, what you're talking about. Is where, uh, where, where he finally gets, um, he gets, uh, his buddy, his insulin shot because he's diabetic and he's about to die. Yep. And he gets it because that's the whole reason why he goes into that first aid kit in the first place because he needs a needle because they break all the needles on the plane. And he mm-hmm. gets a, he gets it, and then uh, John Mel- or Cyrus Virus he he goes and like we have a traitor, and like we all know like Cyrus knows who it is, like Nicholas or like Cameron Poe knows it's him that he's calling him out, but uh, mm-hmm. but Baby O still goes like oh it was me, haha I got you, and then John like Cyrus <laughs> knows it's not him, but just because he calls him like a like a stupid bitch, like he shoots him in the stomach. And he's like, why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. You know that it was me. He's like, do you not <laughs> understand? Um, uh, and uh, he survives. And so he's like, I don't think I believe in, I don't think there's a God <laughs> force. Uh, anyway, and so yeah. he's, and and Cameron's just like, I'm going to make you believe God does exist. I'm like, whatever. No, no. He, it's, it's, he, he gets up because he's holding pressure on Baby O. Mm-hmm. And then he... Baby O's like, oh, I just can't stop thinking that there's no God. Mm. And then Poe grabs uh, the female prison guard and puts her hands on Baby O and stands up. And Baby O's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to show you that God does exist. Mm-hmm. And he's at the back <laughs> of the plane. And so he has to make his way all the way to the front to be able to take it over. And he has all these people that know that he's the traitor. And so he has mm-hmm. to go through, I think, at least three people. He... Like a few of them, four, a few yeah. of them, he just punches out. Well, and it's not a huge deal. There's the Viking. There's like two people. There's two people that he punches. Mm-hmm. There's the guy with the gun, which and shoots then there's... him in the arm. This is one. This is my most <laughs> know, that's inexplicable that's thing. What I, is that that's what I, I, I thought it was just for. like wow, adrenaline does do crazy things, and that's why I thought for a very long time since I've watched this movie. It's like man, he's just like so like energized has adrenaline running through his system he doesn't even know he's gotten shot there i'm like no 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 you get shot in the arm that hurts and you can't especially with like all the hanging he does off the off the ladder on the fire truck afterwards i'm like that's this is feasibly impossible 
or not it's it's actually uh, impossible what he's trying to do here and he gets shot in the arm and all he does is punch him <laughs> like and then he gets to he, uh the 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 prisoner <laughs> that uh the prisoner that's wearing a dress yes so uh <laughs> he or she not sure which pronouns but definitely like uh is uh is wearing a dress uh presents as a woman and Cameron Poe being the gentleman that he is because like she gets she yeah. or he gets on his back and like starts trying to claw at him and John Malkovich mm-hmm. has a good line earlier when he gives uh, her a gun that is just like be like oh if anybody escapes scratch her eyes out and she's like alright baby and I'm just like oh, that's alright <laughs> uh, and like he finally like uh, Cameron Poe finally like uh, throws her off his back um and then, like, is about to punch her, but then it's just like, uh, uh, and then goes full hand open and then just slaps yep. her. And I'm just like, yep. I don't know if I should feel offended right now, but this See, is... See, and, and what's, what I think is amazing is that this movie was made in the 90s, and when that prisoner first, like, goes and gets the dress and is running around and there's in a, the dress... And there's a dress in the briefcase, or in the... Yeah, in in the yeah we'll talk about that later in in the control tower in Lerner Airfield. It's not in the plane or anything. Nope. Like they find um, it there. We we can talk about all the weird things in Lerner Airfield in a minute. Um, but a lot of this, one of the things that I love is, is very offensive. Could not be made today. Let's just say that. Well, but in, in here, but here, this is my point: is that this movie was made in the '90s, and when 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 this prisoner puts the dress on and is running down by all the other prisoners there no one uses the other f word no one says anything homophobic they all just whistle yeah (laughs) and like cheer Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and and when i was watching the the, this movie this time i was like oh my god how cool is that like yeah it's not bad (laughs) like like there's nothing offensive like they're all just like yeah you go girl yeah, it's like, so funny, and it's and it's all meant genuinely. <laughs> like, um, th- none of them are saying it sarcastically. Like, it's and then it's hilarious because Cameron Poe, who is the hero of the movie, does the open like goes to punch him. Who, I mean, which you know, how regardless of how how, how she presents, um, sex is male, and he goes to punch him, and. Then stops, opens his hand, and slaps him across the face. <laughs> like, it's messed up. Uh, but also, it's like it, it doing is. the gentlemanly thing. Like, I'm not gonna punch you. I'm gonna just knock some sense into you because I'm. A- uh, <laughs> um. Oh. Uh, yeah. All right. It's okay. But so like, the way that I think the reason why they they even did that is because like, when was Oz? Oz was pretty close around this time, wasn't it? Oz was in the I'm pretty sure in the 90s 2000s I don't but like I feel like there was like there was like uh uh television was getting into like what prison culture was or like trying to like like figure out because I would like to know I don't know if you're looking up right now but I I am I'm gonna go take a look but that stuff uh I feel like is a lot more represented in there and I don't even remember well they probably do say it's HBO. Of course, they're gonna say that word, which I'm not here. All right. Uh, so Con Air was made in 1997. Yep. Do you have a guess when uh, when Oz was made? 
When Oz started, that's what I should say. 95. 97. 97, okay. So this Oz was... came out in 97. So, yeah, it's... I, I, I don't know if it was... Yeah, like I said, or like you said, I don't know if that was, like, intentional, but, like, them not saying that stuff... It's just like pretty much facing everything as it, as it is. Real quick, uh, uh, ju- uh, Con Air came out in June, and Oz premiered in July. <laughs> okay. So they were like like one was the first month of June, and one was the first month of July. So they were literally like a month apart from each other. Yep. Just that's, just roll right great. into Oz. It's 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 the natural flow of things. Uh, agreed. All right, so we're getting a little long, mm-hmm. so we're, let's start wrapping up because we could talk about this movie for hours, and, and we will I'm continue next year. <laughs> yeah, w- next year we are going to do another episode on this show or on this movie. So we're by wrap in our wrap up. What I'd like to do is there are a number of things in this movie that we have not discussed that um, that I have noticed over the years that do not make a lot of sense. And so these are just some questions that I have about the movie. And I don't know that we're ever going to have answers to them. I'll try. But I thought right now... Just ask me, I'm Jason. I thought right now... All right, I'm, I'm just going to ask my questions, and you can give me your best answers. Okay. So the first one that I have is when they are in Lerner Airfield and they go into the uh, control tower, he finds a... Or uh, John Cusack's character finds a first aid box, and when he opens it, instead of there being first aid material, there is uh, it is packed full of chicken feet and onions. Uh, iodine is very important, Jason, and also is protein. <laughs> that's that's all I have to <laughs> all say. Right. So so that's 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 what it's used for in case of first. That's my aid. best guess. Um. Alright, so my next question is, like, and I, I alluded to this earlier, where is the trailer park that Garland finds? Because it does not appear to be anywhere nearby. They, they do multiple shots from the ground where they show just wide open spaces and then a junkyard. And another thing, just real quick that I want to point out before you give me your answer, the trailer park that Garland finds has grass. <laughs> like, there is dis- like definite... Yes. So, and, and, and the Lerner Airfield is in the middle of a fucking desert. Yes. So where the hell is this trailer park? Well, a part of my mind, like, because I always love to do this is that oh it's it was in garland's mind this was him coping and becoming the person he becomes at the end of the film but like also you see the little girl waving at the plane when they take off so obviously she's there what if the trailer park is like a part of the airfield no (laughs) this can't be right I mean, what what if it's like a uh, what if it's like a uh, a situation where he's just like fully lost his marbles and he's just walking through the trailer or the 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 junkyard and just starts imagining all this. Yeah. That that seems to make more sense to me than anything. Else. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, but then he he has the Barbie or the Ken doll right. at the end, so he like, has to have run into yep, her. And the cops at the end are just like, "This is a weird thing to find in a plane full of hard asses." <laughs> All right. Uh, my next question is: When they are trying to pull the 
the plane out of the ditch. Why is Diamond Dog whipping a bunch of the prisoners? <laughs> and my, my follow-up question to that is, do you think they were trying... Because Diamond Dog is a, like... Black uh, uh, They call him a... a black gorilla terrorist that's the group that he's a part of is the black gorillas Mm -hmm. and he's like a a crazy he blew up the nra headquarters that's like his claim to fame um so (laughs) are are they trying to make do you think that they were trying to make like a racial statement um and that that was in the script or do you think that ving rames was just like hey you know it'd be cool I was whipping a bunch of white guys. That probably makes sense why there's so much animosity between Cyrus and Diamond Dog then. Because, like, yeah. John Malkovich is just like, what? why is Bing Rames allowed to do this? <laughs> why? I don't know. I don't have a great answer, right. but I'm thinking that's the only thing I have. It's the only thing I have for you. So, all right. So, I've got, I've got three more questions. Oh, the God. first one is... When at the beginning of the movie, when Nick Cage comes home out of the, from the military, and they uh, uh, his wife keeps referencing that other guy, that so and that she yes. hoped the military had gotten rid of that other yes. guy. So what did he do before he was in the military? Was he like a boxer or like a small time crook? I feel like the most basic ass answer I can give you is that he had an anger management <laughs> problem. He was a troubled kid who got enlisted into into the Rangers or into the All army. Right. I don't I honestly don't right. think that's as crazy as a uh, more answerable question than the other ones that you've given me. Sorry, <laughs> like I said, I'm not expecting any answers or at least any good answers. Because, I'm just no, no, asking no. questions. No, because that's uh, I suppose it's probably not a good callback. But when he has that adrenaline at when he's like marching up to the front of the plane, that's that other guy. He crazy, you know. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, this next ju- this next question is is kind of a joke, and I, I hope it's one that I can make. Um, no. <laughs> if you have to ask because no. it has because it has to do with Johnny 23 who is Danny Trejo's character. Mm-hmm. So Johnny 23 um for anyone who hasn't seen Con Air, which you you really should. Um his thing is that he's a serial rapist and he has 23 roses tattooed on his arm mm-hmm. and there's one for each woman that he has raped. And there's a part where uh, he says they'd call me Johnny Six Hundred if they knew the truth, and then later in the movie, when he's trying to rape the female prison guard, he says they're going to call me Johnny Twenty Four after this. And I, I guess my question is like, do you think he sends out updates like to all of his criminal buddies, like, "Hey, I'm Johnny Twenty Four now"? <laughs> and then my my other question or my alternative question is, why doesn't he just go by Johnny Six Hundred? <laughs> Well, that would mean that he would have to admit to something. He's already in jail. What? It's it's. He's gonna put it in the newsletter. He is not <laughs> yeah, able. He's not able to do that. Do you think that, he sends though. out a newsletter? I would. I would like to point out at the end of the film, he is Johnny Zero. Then, because he does die, <laughs> he has his. Uh, he's handcuffed with his arms above his head, and presumably in the plane crash, his the arm that has all the roses on it gets detached mm-hmm. from his body. So, it does, which is uh, I uh, think actually a pretty good scene. Like, I, 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 no, it is. I, I like the idea that he just sends out a press release to like the newses or the newspapers anonymously. Like, 
I'm not Johnny 23 anymore. I'm Johnny 24 now. <laughs> All right. So my last question, and this is honestly one that I have had ever since I first saw this movie when I was like nine or ten. Um, okay. So as we've established, Lerner Airfield is in the middle of a desert. Like, except for one side of it where there is the boneyard slash, which is just a junkyard, and a air control tower slash, like, a little airfield area. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, total open desert. Why do the soldiers and the cops drive through the only, like, area where people could possibly hide with their guns and shoot at them instead of just driving straight at the plane from the desert? I don't have No, you're just going to shake your head. You're just not going to answer. You're just going to shake your head. All I know is that someone made a bad decision... And it was not John <laughs> Cusack's fault. It's not his fault. You know what? I bet. I bet that that's just a furthering or further it's supposed to further cement the idea that Cole Meary's character is an idiot yes. uh, in your head. Yes. Which, <laughs> which by the is. way, <laughs> he he is. And something that for some reason I didn't catch until this movie, and I think it's just because they only say it one time, and I had to rewind it because if you don't hear it, you'll miss it. Um, Cole Meary's character is a doctor. Cole Meany. Yeah, Cole Meany, sorry. Cole, Meany, Cole Meany's character is a doctor in this movie. Okay, I didn't and they only, know that. Yeah, they reference it once, and it's when he's introduced. They call him Dr. So-and-so, and then it's never referenced again. And then he works for the DEA. DEA. <laughs> Okay. I don't I don't know what he does for the TEA, but whatever he does, he's a doctor. Well, maybe he's psychological. No, he's not a psychological doctor. Um <laughs> I don't know. No, that's that that's what I thought too, but like he's the one that brought the guy to go onto the plane but, and he keeps yeah, ranting about he our is agents. Not a doctor. He is not a doctor because he brings up when he's talking to John Cusack's character, he's just like, Oh, look at dictionary boy, because like John Cusack says a big word. <laughs> And then he's just like, oh, look at Dictionary Boy here. And then John Cusack is like, well, actually be more like the th- thesaurus boy. And he's like, shut up. It's just like. <laughs> he says the big word that he uses is lo- loquacious. Lo- loquacious. Yep. That's what it is. Um, all right. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to talk about it. Yes. Oh, this my a, God. I love this movie. This is a great movie. day. Let us all. I can't. Bask under I can't the wait light to talk about air. it again. I can't wait to talk about it again next year. Yes. Um, and the right. year after so, that. And the year after that. And the year after that. All right. I would like to quickly go ahead and ask the people follow me on Twitter at argue with Jason, where uh, I am trying to bait people into arguing with me because. Uh, my wife will not argue with me anymore, and I need some output to argue about stupid pop culture bullshit. Donnie, where can people find you? Uh, if you want to follow me anywhere, it's going to be on Twitter. You can just search me up, Donnie Nelson. I'm the one with uh, with a bag of money and a Ziploc bag as a pitcher. I will not give you my actual handle because it changes every single time I talk about where to find me. Anyway, I'm on Twitter. But also, uh, if you want to... I am um, not being a bum ass anymore, and I did uh, 
I did post to uh, the Outer Frame Twitter, which is at the Outer Frame, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be updating that uh, more frequently than I have been because, like I said, I am a bum ass. Uh, 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 yes. Oh, <laughs> real quick, I did also want to say that um, you know. The usual spiel, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, you can suggest it to us on there, and uh, we will find a way to work it in. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, we we are just so, two gentlemen that, honestly, we have, like, uh, we have we have slightly uh, variations in what movies that we uh, go out of our way to see and what we like to watch. Uh, so we're kind of in a bubble ourselves. So anything that you want to mm-hmm. throw at us that you think that like we're just in our own bubble and would never hear or talk about it, just throw it our way. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the other thing I uh, okay, Donnie, have you seen Source Code yet? Well, you're just gonna have to wait until our Eastern Promises because that would be a spoiler, Jason. <laughs> All right, uh, I have not watched Alpha. Um, <laughs> okay, I haven't watched Source Code. Um, I stay tuned do for have the Eastern a... Promises podcast where I say the exact same thing. <laughs> I do have, I do have uh, another question for you, and that question is: if we were to get T-shirts made. What would you want them to be of? Uh, I think I think Preston did a very good job with our logo, and I wouldn't mind seeing something like that on a T-shirt. Um, but if I had to think of a design that is different from that, I would probably just say, nope. I'm I'm just completely blanking. I mean, All right. honestly, well, and that's why we want to turn to it's you. It's probably copyrighted, <laughs> but I'd probably just say, probably just a shirt that just says July Fourteenth on it. <laughs> Since it's that's why I'd like to turn turn to you, the fans. If if we were to make a T-shirt, what would you want it to be, and why? Yeah, because we don't um, have any good ideas. So. Yeah, please uh, please check out Pralix on Instagram and Twitter. He does all of our arts. Uh, please check out Dr. Tub Thumper for music. He did our intro music, and we would love to hear any other music <laughs> that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, thank you, you to he is. Thank you to Caitlin Industries for doing uh, the editings of the shows, which currently is still me. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please share this show with your friends. We've almost got a hundred followers on our Facebook, um, which I never thought we'd get past like twenty. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe if we hit a hundred, we'll uh, we'll do something special. Um, so yeah, please uh, tell your friends, rate the show, and go watch more movies. Goodbye. Go watch movies. <laughs>